FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables presented by Maxis Tires, Scott Goggles, and Pro Taper. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast, 2001 Houston. Really cool race, and uh, looking forward to talking about it. Uh, Ricky Carmichael and Travis Preston taking the win, 2001 Houston. Uh, yeah, we'll get dive into this. Can't wait. Thanks to the folks at Lee at, man. They've got the 5.5 flex slot boots. they got the 6.5 velocity goggles. The solitaire guys running Lee at out there and looking well at it. Um, really great company. Mountain bike protection, dirt bike protection, all of it. And if you want to save with Lee at, email me on the, using the contact form on pulpamex.com. We'll pass it on, and you can get a discount code to save at Lee at. Order it online and, and use the code to save. They make protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, and knee uh, boots and neck braces, covering riders head to toe. I wear knee braces, CTIs, and Kiefer got me onto this Liat under brace pant that they make, where it then you put the brace, you put the pant on, put the braces on, and then you pull the rest of the pant. It's like super long. You pull it over your brace and you velcro it up top. It is absolutely a game changer. Your braces do not move. Um, on on your uh, on your knees all day long, and please, I recommend it. It's the best product I think I've, I've used from Liat. So thank you to those guys. We'll tell you more about Decal Works, Scott Guts, and Maxis later on in the show. But uh, for now, let me introduce co-host. First up, he is the voice of uh, Supercross now. Apparently, the Jason Wagon. What's up, Weech? Yeah, it's happening. It's true. It's I true. Yeah, can't can't quite believe that myself. My head has not been wrapped around it, but uh, a good way to segue into watching some classic Supercross here and hearing the voice of Art Ekman and David Bailey working alongside him, which is the classic commentary team. Pretty fun time in the sport here we're going to cover. And some guy named Coombs as pit reporter, whatever happened to him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, he's like uh, Araldo Ferracci. We don't know where he is. Yeah. Uh, Also on the line uh, from KTM Red Bull, but uh, also really just from a motocross historian and a nerd like uh, Seth Rarick. What's up, Seth Rowe? Oh, not a whole lot. Excited to uh, excited to dive into this one. Weeds, do you think in your Supercross announcing career you'll ever have to say that uh, someone forgot to put gas in the bike on the for the heat race? What the heck, man? Hey, uh, let me tell you, we're having enough time, hard enough time figuring out if someone had a rear shock problem or not. Yeah. So I don't think we're ever going to find out about the gas. We got a lot to dive into, and we, we, we're going to have Travis Preston on, who was an unexpected winner, after another unexpected winner threw it away with about a half a lap to go. Uh, so we got lots to talk about with TP. Uh, love to talk to TP. His 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 uh, epic interviews may have started uh, here. Uh, but uh, Rarick, you picked this one, and I wasn't at. Weege, were you at this one? I was, I was not there. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think so. Okay, so I yeah. wasn't at this one either. I worked for Red Bull KTM, but it was the first round before the East, so I went to all the West rounds except for this one, I believe. And then no, the East had already started. I don't know. I wasn't at this one. I was back in San Diego at the KTM. Rarick, why'd you pick it? 
Uh, I just, this one always stands out to me. Honestly, when I asked you guys about it, I really thought you would have done this one by now. Uh, just as a little kid, I remember at that time, it just being crazy to think that KTM was about to win the Supercross and then Langston threw it away and even crazier, uh, Husky wins one. So at that time, this was a massive deal. Those were not two household names and yeah. just always, just always stood out to me as a kid. And, uh, I always liked GL and I, and I always liked Preston. Um, so I was actually surprised you guys haven't hadn't done this one. So I just want to do something or do one where yeah. uh, something something wild happens, something out, out of the ordinary and unexpected. So I figured this would be a good one to cover. We did you ever go to the Astrodome? Uh, me or Eric? We you did you ever go? I know yeah, Eric I think didn't the go. Last <laughs> one, and it was not what you would think it would be. That's it, what I remember. It, it was rough, dude. Probably th- holes in the roof by then. This. You can ask anybody. Houston, this Astrodome, it had epic tracks, a huge floor on it. They always had a C.E. Altman uh, memorial jump. It was a guy that yeah. worked for Feld and passed away. And they they had tons of dirt always, uh, red dirt, big tabletops. This was always a bitchin' track. It was the first time I ever saw a split lane, and they just had flags in the middle, like in the down, down the lane. Um and then, so rewatching this, Rarick, what a cool track! This, I don't know, man. I'm gonna, I, I, I know the Dirtworks guys. I'm gonna tell them to watch this track. Like, I don't know how much it applies, but this thing looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I was really blown away by how cool this track looked. I think this layout today would would work well and and be a really good racetrack. There's a lot of options. I'll, I'll get into it later with Travis, but there is. Um, don't think the two or the one twenty fives are doing it, but across the start straight like a three on you could call it a table i call it a knuckle because it was literally not enough room for both your tires to land on top of it yeah three on off that was really really technical um after that the 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 end of that rhythm lane going to the next one the option where you go inside roll outside triple there was a lot of options even the whoops after you go under the not like the law yeah the long set of whoops are really tough they're hard edge cupped and slick but the shorter set of whoops, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it was actually split to where the left side of them was meant for jumping. It was like 3-3 three, three or 3-4 three, or something. And the right side, the first one was knocked down so you could skim them. Uh, not a lot of guys went to the inside because it was a 90 after, but it was cool, man. They really made a lot of options, and, and there was a really, really good racetrack. I missed the Astrodome. It was good. It was dark in there, but good tracks always. Um and the, so was the floor – I can't remember this. Was the floor significantly bigger than what we see well, at most stadiums? I, I don't know. Like, it's, Okay, so it's a baseball one, not football. And I and I feel like the Astrodome was well, built – both. Yeah, both. No, right. But I feel like the Astrodome was more built to just hold everything, right? So the yeah. like they, they had monster truck shows there, trailer – I mean, rock concerts. Like, I think they just right. built it massively. It, it was always big. Now, I don't know if that's a – you know, an old memory thing, right? Like where that, you know, my this bike was so good back in the day or whatever. But I think it was big, man. The track was always good and tons of dirt. Yeah, dude. I don't, I don't know if it's the the grainy YouTube video I watched or what, but I know the new stadium's obviously bigger as far as how many people it can fit in there. I, I know that, but the the wide the wide uh, angle camera view they had on the coverage of this race i mean it looked like there was a hundred thousand people in there it looks <laughs> dude it looked massive and I, I i know it's an optical illusion but mm-hmm. man that place honestly looked sold out i was pretty surprised it has to be more floor space too because 
not only does the layout look long, but dude, it's so wide. Like the first turn is so wide. A couple of the bowl berms are like double the width, you know, from outside to inside what we're used to. And then also the dirt, like what the heck? There's they're they're building like massive tabletops, like just for the sake of ah, we got all this dirt, let's just throw it in here. Yeah, no, it was like tons of dirt, right? Like yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're like there's like elevated corners. Uh, there's just so much dirt. Now, I, we asked JT about this, and he said they had leftover dirt from the rodeo. So there you go. Okay. Yeah, see? There we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was always great. So this is 2001. This is Jeremy and MC going at it to start the year, and then they each won one, and then Ricky hunted them down, and Anaheim passed them, won the race, broke the alternate streak. San and Diego. Then, oh, San Diego? Okay. And then yep. – and then it was on from there. He came into this thing with a 19-point lead, uh, and he would go on to – did he win the rest of them? I don't know. I, maybe Wyndham. He uh, did. He won yeah, 13 in a row. Did right? he really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So he won the rest of them on the way to his first Supercross title. And, um, yeah, and, and you can see in this main event, too, he starts like fifth, and MC's in front of him, Wyndham, right, um, Yogi, but – Dude, he was just really good. And his pass on McGrath to take the lead in that left-hander stuffs Jeremy, comes in tight, still pops off this double. Uh, it was an impressive pass, and, and then he was gone. He was gone. And even Bailey, Bailey was like – and this is the one thing that drove me a little nutty about Bailey, and he was great. Don't get me wrong. But whenever a privateer was up front, Bailey was always like, well, he's going to go right back. And, and he, he was going to go right back, but, like, Bailey never – you know, gave the viewer much chance of like a battle because he knew what was going to happen. And then this one too, when Ricky got in the lead, he's like, well, that's it. That's Ricky's gone. Now you got to stay with him. And these guys didn't stay with him and he's gone. Like, like, and, and that's exactly I mean, what happened. But Bailey was not one to like play up the battle, you know? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't wrong in his defense, but uh, yeah, Ricky had Ricky had these guys covered by that by that point. But how about his crash in the heat race? That was a digger. Did you watch that or no? No, I was more focused on McGrath not starting the heat. Well, that too. And then the next heat, uh, yeah, they were in different heats. For the next heat, Ricky had a digger in the heat. Man, he was uh, oh, okay. I guess he had some big ones that he escaped, but that one he was definitely lucky not to get hurt. So, but yeah, okay. MC not starting the heat. That was yeah. Uh, so. Art Art says that there's no gas in the bike. <laughs> Jeremy <laughs> Jeremy couldn't start the heat because there was no gas in the bike. And by the way, if this was 1985, uh, like Jeff Ward at 86 Anaheim, um, MC would not have been able to race that night because you had to finish a certain spot in the heat to move forward. Anyways, so I put a text together with Rarick and Larry Brooks. <laughs> and I'm like, Larry, like... What happened here? And because I didn't, I hadn't gotten to the part yet where they explain it, uh, Rarick. So Larry was like, "Yeah, I don't know exactly what happened, but he did not run out of gas." <laughs> oh, that was not true. No, no, no. I don't know where Art got that from, but he definitely <laughs> led he led the viewers to think that Skid forgot to put gas in the bike, which is very hard to believe. <laughs> and and it, Larry, and it was a base gasket problem. Right? Yeah, later, yeah. Rarick, you said they came back later and said it was a base gasket? Uh, yeah, MC did because, you know, obviously he had to go to the semi. So he won the semi, and then that's yeah. what he said on the on the podium. But I was also uh, I was also in disbelief for the first 
really the whole show until until we texted Larry that I don't know why Skip looked so different that year. I really I swore it was <laughs> yeah. Brian Kinney working on the bike that you did. did not look like Skip whatsoever. No, it does not. I agree. There's a part you see him like down by the front wheel. I didn't realize it was Skip either. No, I really thought it was Brian Kinney. I, I, to be honest, I almost still think it is. I, I don't know if Larry. <laughs> it's possible Larry got it wrong, but I don't remember Brian BK step. BK was Timmy's guy, so. Uh, I don't remember. BK was at Yamaha by this point, working for Timmy. Yeah, we need we need to ask Skip about this because I don't know if he had like a, a right. makeover for that race or what. But <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he uh, looks way different. Yeah, Brian Kinney worked at Chaparral for years for Button and for the second guy, and then uh, at this point he went he went jumped up the factory Yamaha and worked for Timmy. Uh, which, by the way, Red Dog had a strong race on the uh, on the thumper at this one. Um, yeah, and I, I I had to text Timmy about that that four stroke because that thing looked god awful to ride in supercross you know where it was good it was good in the whoops because it just was a tractor right so it would never run out it would never drop down <laughs> you would just run through the whoops like no problem everywhere I, else I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it was good in the whoops but if i had to hit that three three on the knuckle off on that thing <laughs> yeah i yeah. mean there is almost a hundred percent chance you're getting a bog yeah for sure it is uh also when you hear about the base gasket problem with mc it's reassuring that in 2005 Chad had the same problem before the main event in uh, in Orlando you know so yeah maybe basically Brian, can he filled in for Chad that day <laughs> yeah maybe right <laughs> uh, by the way I texted Dave Prater and I asked him about the uh, Astrodome right now he said it was a really big floor similar to New Orleans it's more circular than typical stadium floors I said yeah it was a great track always there and he said he peeked in the Astrodome a few years ago. They use it for storage. He said it's not in good shape these days. <laughs> the, <laughs> Astro think? the Astrodome not doing so well. So Well, the funny thing about that is I guess they'll never tear it down because it's like a historic monument, right? Yeah, it's, it was literally like one of the wonders of the world when it was built. Yeah, but for as insane as that thing was when it was built in the 60s, I think it's the first dome ever, right? That's why it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, so since it just sits there, when we when we do have a race in Houston, it's hilarious. It's so tiny compared to whatever it's called now, Reliance Stadium or whatever the new stadium in mm -hmm. Houston is. And that's just a cookie cutter, nothing special. It's fine. Yep. But then you look at the Astrodome and it's like garbage. Yeah, it looks like it's a there. I know. Yeah. I know Ricky didn't like his uh, Cowie, but God, could he turn on this thing? Did you guys notice some of those inside ruts? And oh, he could he could turn on a dime. And how <laughs> low did he have? Right? His I don't understand how can how can he have his suspension set up that way? How is it not just bottoming? I don't know, but God, he could turn in this thing. Uh, uh, also, too, did you happen to notice? Of course, our buddy JT. Did you happen to notice the Suzuki Privateer die right in front of Larocco in the heat? Yes, I was gonna. I was gonna bring that up. I was gonna bring that up. I had to find out who that was, so I rewound that about fifteen times until uh, I heard Art Ekman finally say after that it was Jeff Hedden. And oh. dude, he absolutely died. <laughs> that was horrible. And then right after that, Isaiah Johnson's bike snaps in half. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, I actually could. I don't remember Art saying Hedden, but uh, my wife had some people over, so I was really struggling to hear the uh, YouTube. But I texted JT the link. I said, "Who is this?" And maybe he heard Art say, but he read right back. Jeff, that's Jeff Hedden. <laughs> so JT was on it. Uh, oh, that that was an hellacious crash. And then uh, 
LaRocco's podium interview after he won that heat was was pretty damn good as well because he whole shotted that heat and uh, Davey brought that up when he interviewed him and LaRocco says that his whole shot was more rare than that guy's bike snapping in half. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about in the main? You see Wyndham, you see Yogi, you see McGrath, you see you never see Mike LaRocco, and then when the checkers are over, ah, oh, he got third. <laughs> Like just such a Larocco ride, such yeah, a Larocco ride. Yeah, almost passed MC for second. Too. Yeah, yeah. You just you're just like, oh, you're like, there's Mike Larocco. Oh, there he is. Um, <laughs> just so such a Mike Larocco thing. I also liked uh, when Wyndham was leading early. Uh, I think it was Art. Art said uh, they asked Roger DeCoster what was going on with Kevin Wyndham, and Roger said he didn't want to say what was going wrong with Kevin. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which we do know Kevin was burning the candle on both ends around these Suzuki days. So, yeah. This was the year he uh, he broke his femur at Atlanta right after this, right? I think so. Or Was that 02? Oh, yeah, you're right. He, yeah. Did, he did do outdoors one year in a Suzuki. Right. So, he, yeah, he, had to be 02. But you, how about Art just digging? Art just investigative journalism, yeah. you know? Reporter chops. Yeah, but Roger said he didn't want to say. <laughs> so. Yeah, Wyndham actually uh, outdoors was pretty good that year. I yeah. mean, didn't beat RC, but he was. I don't know what happened between 01 and 02, but it fell apart. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a great race. Ricky, Ricky, you know, showed why he was the man, right? Uh, Jeremy looked good. Like MC looked good. He looked like a typical, you know, really fast. And Ricky was just like, yeah, no, no, no. So it's kind of how I remember it going back then too uh, for for this year. Uh, by the way, thank you to the folks at Decal Works. Uh, Pulpmex24 is a code to save with Decal Works. Red Bull KTM guys use it, and uh, I'm sure Seth Rowe sees the quality of Decal MX and Decal Works every single day. Chase Sexton, Aaron Plessinger. Thanks to DecalMX.com. Pulpmex24 is the code to save with those guys. Thank you to those guys. Scott Goggles as well. A lot of guys were in Scott this race. Uh, whether it's Jason Anderson, whether it's Pro Circuit, Scott Goggles continues to be the uh, uh, goggle that champions choose. Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the Rewrites the Most podcast, many of which have included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA, providing the best in goggle technology for all motorsports disciplines. Thank you to Scott and, uh, and Decal Works for that. Um, all right, anything else for 250s before we sw- slide over to 125s? No, I'm good. Uh, 250 is pretty standard for that that point in the series. So 125s come up, and at this point, Ernie and Buckaloo are 1-2 in the points. Yeah, I did not realize that Bucky was second in points. I didn't either. I know he won San Diego that year, yep. uh, but I looked at his results for that season because I remember him winning San Diego, but really I thought that was it. But I looked up his uh, his results up to that point, and I still don't understand how he was second in points. <laughs> because he was very up and down, so all I can all I can assume is the other guys were just throwing it away. Yeah, GL grabs the lead right away, and he takes off, and then Ernie crashes in the whoops, and Art is like, he has to restart it! He has to restart it! Like, we, <laughs> this was a massive barrier back then, of course, right? And Bailey brought it up, and Art brought it up, and it's like, oh yeah, like if these guys fell, they may have been screwed for the rest of the race. That's where we were at, everybody. Yeah, and that thing started actually pretty fast for that time. He, he got it going pretty fast. God, Buckaloo. Yeah, I remember yep. Ernie doing like five bazillion interviews that year being like, do you think it's an unfair advantage? And they would always just hang it on. Well, it's it's fast, but if you, if you stall it, you're done. And I'm like, okay, that's not really the same. 
Um, mm -hmm. The bike is way better than a 125. Yes, it has that caveat. Yeah, this is. But uh, that doesn't equal. They don't equal out. This is Ernie and Nate on four strokes way and Buckaloo on two strokes. They split it up with the team. Um, oh, Buckley was on the YZ125. Yeah. Yeah. Buck was on the So he won on the 125. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. It was, it was an interesting time back then when we were like, are those four strokes any better? We're not sure. You know? And it's like, uh, yeah, they're really good. So, you know, yeah. no, I, I can't, yeah. uh, I can't give that title to Ernie just because he was on a four stroke, though, because in 99 on the 125, he straight up waxed everybody. Yeah. No, nope, you're he right. He was really, really good. Did you guys happen to see uh, how much Roderick Thane talk there was? A lot of Roderick Thane talk. He was Factory Suzuki this year. And, yeah. uh, God, they, they they were previewing him for the race, talking about him during the race. I don't know if, like, maybe Art and DB, David Bailey, stopped at the Suzuki truck that morning. You know? I don't know. A lot of Thane talk. Hey, you, you know, th this is this is a story for another day, but Thane, Thane's career, it, it always amazes me because – the year before was his first year here in KTM, and I remember him being pretty good, like running up front a lot, maybe not always getting the best result, but definitely showed potential. That, But that was only one year. Then he goes to the factory Suzuki for this year. My memory of him, I should have looked at his results from this year, but my memory of him in the Suzuki, he was really good, like definitely a still not winning, but built on the first year here. But then he goes to YOT, and he was really good at YOT, but how did he manage to go? He obviously had one-year deals on all three teams. That that baffles me. How, how did he pull that off? Yeah, good question. I was teammates with him at KTM in 2000. Um, you, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he was a guy clearly – he was a good rider. He was clearly getting better each year. But, I mean, he, was he that hard to work with? Or I don't understand that. He went one year, one year, one year, yeah. and then, then after YOT, I, I don't even remember him. What, did he go to ECC or something? I don't remember, but he eventually found his way to win the Enduro Championship. Yes, he's had a, a yeah. very – and now he races bicycles. <laughs> very, oh, really? Yes, uh, Zach uh, Zach knows him a little bit, but, yeah, yeah very, very strange career. Always, good good rider, though. Yeah, always a nice guy, real quiet. Uh, when his bike broke at Unadilla, he was leading or top three or something late in the race, and the bike broke. He No, I think you're right. He was leading that race. Is yeah. he leading? He threw the yeah. biggest – fit inside the semi I've ever seen a rider throw like he's throwing his helmet against the back door and then he would pick it up and throw it the other way and then pick it up and throw it back at the door and then like <laughs> then he did like a wrestling move on the counter like threw himself at the counter I, it was he was very angry he so. was probably counting his bonus money just like uh Preston was on the podium for this race <laughs> yeah yeah Travis <laughs> gives an all-time interview uh but anyways back but okay so in the middle of GL winning this race, and he's gone. Like, he looks really good. He does look a little tired near the end, and Travis is getting closer. You can see. Uh, at one point, uh, David Bailey's like, I had to check who number 40 was. Um, yeah. Yeah, but at, at, at one point, Davey Coombs comes on and goes, uh, no, win or lose, Grant Langston's getting on a plane tomorrow morning, and he's going to go race a 250 <laughs> GP. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I know Davey's my boss, but I was on the team this year. He's crazy. He Davey's been out drinking. He probably went out with Rhino and the guys the night before. He might have heard something. There's no way this happened. I'm like, Davey is nuts. And again, I was on the team this year. So I'm like, okay. I go to Cycle News. Our buddy Kit, Cycle News. I pull up the art. And 
fuck me. He went to Vulcan Swan. They raced the GP the next yeah. weekend. And I have zero memory of this, and I was on the team, and I thought Davey was crazy. Uh, but Coombs, point, point for Davey Coombs. I checked the results. He got 17th in the first moto. He crashed in the first moto, got 17th, and then he didn't finish the second one or didn't race the second one. But, yeah, nuts. <laughs> yeah, so I, I admit, when I watched this, I must have missed Davey saying that because – the first thing I heard was it was probably three laps to go, four laps to go, or something. And Art and David, first off, they just completely cursed GL's win because they start <laughs> talking about they start, or I think Art said at first he goes, "Yeah, uh, G, uh, Langston has a long, uh, a long flight after this race. Hopefully he can, hopefully he can win this tonight and doesn't have to sit in the middle seat in this long flight to Holland." And they keep talking about this long flight, and I go. Dude, do these guys think that he's still living in Europe and racing in America? Like I was, yeah. So... Okay, oh, because you missed the GP talk, right? right. Yes, I missed Davey <laughs> saying that. So I'm watching and I'm so confused. Now it's like two laps to go, and uh, they're both saying, "Well, he's got this win on ice." And, and Bailey goes, "Yeah, he doesn't have to sit in the middle seat now. He can he can fly first class because he's got this win in the bag." And they just kept talking how he had it in the bag, in the bag, and yeah, they completely. Cursed him, and then after he crashed, Bailey goes, "Looks like he has to sit in the middle seat now." <laughs> <laughs> I, I have that in my notes, Seth. Too, uh, yeah. At some point, David says, "If he wins this, he don't care if it's a middle seat; it's fine." <laughs> and then when he walks off after the the loss, he goes, "Yeah, he's probably going to be in a middle seat." <laughs> hey, so so how about how I how I found out what the hell they were talking about? Because I, I I never heard Davey say that. Uh-huh. Well, the the YouTube videos watching of this main. After this race ended, whoever recorded this and put it on YouTube, it went into uh, remember Moto World, the show Moto yeah, World. Of course, yeah, it, it went into a Moto World episode. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm gonna watch this. Well, it was the Moto World episode from the following week, and they were covering you know all the different race results, and they talked about Vulcansword, and they said, uh, yeah, current American Supercross rider Grant Langston finished 17th in the, in the 250 class. I'm go, I go, holy shit, that's what they were talking about. I he actually went on the off weekend and raced the GP. I don't understand. He came to America from the GPs. He was doing 125 Nationals and 125 Supercross. H him and his family were here to stay. They were never going back. But somehow they're like, yeah, man, go race a 250 GP in the sand? Yeah. Very odd. Very odd decision. And, and also, then, he came, then he came back here and won the next West round. And then also, uh, Weege, things that would never happen today. Sending... Hey, RJ Hampshire is going to go ride a, a MXGP next next weekend. Yeah, on a 450. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, because, like, I could maybe understand he is the defending 125 champ at that time. Mm -hmm. Maybe race for the number one plate. Um, okay. Maybe. Yep. Yep. Uh, we use it to prepare for the Nationals on yep. 125. Test, maybe. test some stuff. Sure, yeah, test some stuff. Yeah. But, Steve, I think you could probably confirm that KTM was just weird back then, and maybe everything was possible. Yeah, we had a loose program. I like to tell people we were factory, but it, it didn't seem like it back then. Um, <laughs> I remember the Monday after the loss because, as I said, I was at home uh, in San Diego, and I either it was either was there no webcast week? Uh, two thousand one. Yeah, yeah, I think there was. Yeah. Okay, so it was a webcast, I think, and like there definitely was. Yes, because I actually remember listening to the. Carmichael beating McGrath at Anaheim now that I think about it on a webcast. So, yeah. So, yeah. And then I was listening and, you know, it was going to be the KTM's first ever Supercross win, blah, blah, blah. And then it all went to shit. I remember going to the shop and being like, 
man, that sucked. And everybody was like, yeah, that really sucked. That was not good. <laughs> and then they were like, and of course, Husqvarna, you know, beats us to it. Uh, it was, yeah, weird to be at the shop that day. Um, I remember that. And I remember, be, but I do not, I, if you had bet me $1,000 that GL go to race an MXG 250 GP that year, I would have said, nope, nope, that never happened. But it did. So, um, wow. But also, I was looking at the results, and I worked for Kelly Smith this year. He got third at St. Louis. And I don't remember – and I remember – look, I had very limited success as a mechanic. I seem to remember a lot of the podiums, right? Uh, I don't remember Kelly Smith ever getting third in a Supercross. So, good job, Kelly. Uh, I don't what, Wasn't that the race he was leading to the end or something? Uh, in 99. 99 he was, yeah, in Ernie. Oh, yeah, that's when he crashed and he got KO'd or something. Yeah, so we got third at St. Louis this year, and I, I didn't remember that either. So I don't know if, what's going on with my memory or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, it was – and also, Weege, I thought GL got up and got second. He got fourth. <laughs> I thought so, too. Yeah. The, the whole podium result of that class was not the way I remembered it. No, no, I, I thought he got up, grabbed the bike, and got second. But, nope, you know. So what a crazy race. Like, KTM going to win, and then Husqvarna wins, and – yeah, it it, uh, it was something else on a on a cool ass track. Uh, hey, when okay, go ahead. When, when you guys were watching this, did you when they they showed GL for a long time, he had a big lead, and then when they finally did pan to Preston in second, and they they were on him for a lap or lap and a half or so, and then they went back to GL. Were you guys wondering how GL had that big of a lead because? No disrespect to Grant, but he looked horrendous in that whoop section. He could not get through no. the whoops. He was doubling them at the end. And when they showed uh, TP, I mean, he looked like Carmichael. He was unreal. He looked visually so much faster everywhere, and especially the whoops. And he just wasn't catching them. Grant was gone. I, I don't know how he well, pulled that big of a lead. I think Ernie crashing, Tedesco crashing all helped, right? Um, but I thought Grant looked tired watching it back. I'm like, he looks exhausted. He's seat bouncing. He's yeah. cruising, right? Like, yeah, a lot of mistakes, and mm-hmm. and I just when I I just wasn't understanding how how Preston wasn't he wasn't really catching him or wasn't chopping the lead as much as it looked like he should. I'm like, hey, this is mm-hmm. this is because I'm watching. I'm like, wow, Travis actually does, really deserves to win this race, but GL was gone, man. I'll give him credit. It's a couple of the runs to the whoops later. It was like he was trying to figure out every different way he could do it, um, but. Uh, Steve, how much of this is the linkless yeah, KTM? It, it wasn't great. It definitely not. Well, yeah. we say that, but like our, on our last episode, oh, here go, we go. Watch, go watch Ramsey, San Diego 05, man. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that one, Seth Rowe. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just remember our guys, by the time they got to the end, the thing was like an ejecto seat. They were not happy. Um, but, yeah, it, some of it was that, and then some of it was GL for sure. Uh, okay, uh, Liet Reraceables. Thanks to Liet, by the way, for coming on board this podcast. And, uh, yeah, absolutely send us an email if you want to save with Liet.com. Um, thanks to the folks at Guts Racing. Seats are great. Pulp MX 2024 is a code to save with Guts Racing. Seat bases, seat foams. We had Andy Gregg from Guts uh, in here on Monday night at Pulp MX Show talking about it a little bit. And, uh, yeah, the real custom seats. However you want to do it, they can do it. Foam, bases, complete seats, covers, grippers, all of it. Pulp MX 2024 if you're looking to save. And thanks to Maxxis Tires as well. Great guys at Maxxis. Soft, intermediate, intermediate to hard tires are available now at Maxxis.com. And PRMX, 
Hunter Yoder, Kay Clayson, Fast Freddy, all using Maxis, crushing it out there. So thank you to those guys for coming on board. And, of course, uh, Decal Works and Scott as well. Always uh, uh, appreciate that. Shall we get to Travis Preston or anything else that uh, you guys got on your mind? Oh, uh, TP. Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk to TP. The winner is first Supercross win uh, of his career. And uh, we'll get into this and more on Lee at Reraceables with Travis Preston. Here's Travis. All right, everybody, we're talking 2001 Houston Supercross here on the Lee at Reraceables, so that only means uh, one thing. we got to get the man who uh, won his first 125 Supercross for himself and the first 125 Supercross for Husqvarna as well. And uh, he'd go on to win a championship later on, of course, with the uh, Factory Connection Honda team. It's Travis Preston. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. We've been talking about this race and having some fun with it. Um, I, I rewatched it, as did uh, as did, did everybody on here. And, yeah, just a classic. Like, you've told a lot of stories about that Husqvarna Fast by Ferracci team. There's no way, TP, that if, if, if going in, that if they said, hey, man, you're going to win a Supercross, you would have said, there's no chance, right? No way. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Um. You, you, we saw the race, GL out front, of course, threw it away, but uh, Ernie crashed, Bucklew crashed, Roderick Thane, you got him at some point in the race. Um, yeah, man, I guess just take it through us Take it through us for a little bit for the race. Yeah, well, you know, like you said, it, um, it, it was an interesting year, you know, because it was a team was just kind of weird and everything. So the um, the engine was great on the bike, but the chassis sucked. And I think even the first race, I didn't even qualify for the main. <laughs> okay. And maybe, like, I don't even know if I was top 10 in points, maybe ninth or 10th in points. So going into that race, you know, I'm just hoping to make the main. But I remember that night, the track was really good. Like, it was peaky. And I remember the whoops were kind of slick and gnarly. And I feel like a lot of people were going down in the whoops. And then there was, like, this left-hander coming out of the whoops. And then there was this, like, triple like um, where it's like a, a five footer and then maybe like a seven footer and then like another five footer. Mm -hmm. So then, and then after that was a big triple, well, you know, on 125, it's always hard to make the triple. So to get the, the, the big triple clean, you had to come out of the corner and seat bounce that uh, first little triple. But I didn't have, you know, 125, 185 pounds. I didn't have the power. So I came up with this little like kind of wheel tap thing off of the, the middle jump to where I could clean the three good to then get the big triple. So once I, once I figured that out, then it was like, I started making up time and I actually felt pretty good. Dude, you, uh, you said the chassis sucked on that bike, but when I rewatched this race, you were annihilating everyone in the whoops. Like I know you're good, good in the whoops anyway, but for that one night, it worked, man. You were really, really crushing those whoops. Everyone was crashing, or even like GL when he had a big lead, was struggling to get through them. And uh, yeah, you you were crushing that section. I was a little surprised because me and Frankie bench race about that season a lot. He was your mechanic, right? Yeah, yeah. Frankie was a big part of that deal. Yeah, that year. no. So we we bench race about that husky a lot. He always tells me how bad it was and this and that. But but dude, you were on it in the whoops, man. That that's where. Uh, I mean, you were just crushing everybody. Yeah, I had I found this line, like, I think it was along the left side of the whoops, and I was just tucked up right up against the bales. Yep. And once I found that line, dude, I just started killing it. And then the next section, I was able to go three out of the corner and hit the triple. So, yeah, it worked out. 
<clears throat> yeah, were you in like fifth in those whoops? Because everyone else looks like they were winding out by like the third whoop, and you were just tracking, dude. It was impressive. <laughs> I think that because I don't really remember being good in the whoops or really having an advantage over other riders until that race. I feel like that race, I somehow figured out like I was leaning back more, and I really. I don't know. I feel like after that night, I had a lot more confidence in the whoops. <clears throat> yeah. That I, was, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised to hear you say, the engine was really good. Yeah, the engine. Yeah, because Farachi came from road bikes. So the guy knew how to make horsepower. But I, mean, I think we had like Marzocchi forks, a sax shock. Nobody knew how to work on the shock. <laughs> I think we tested one day on, on the forks, but... We actually did quite a bit of testing on the engine. Oh, so that was like road racing mentality. We will make horsepower. <laughs> Everything else about Supercross, we have to learn. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it was definitely a, a loose program, but you know, with Frankie's help, we made it work. I love and, to. Uh, by the way, uh, at the end, uh, Yulo jumps in there with his Edge Kawasaki shirt. You know. <laughs> Yulo was making sure that he was, you know, yeah, good job. <laughs> yeah, actually, he, he helped out a lot, too, because I don't know if I was staying. I might have been staying in New Jersey at that time. Okay. I remember I went back to New Jersey, like, end of March, beginning April. Yeah. You were riding Supercross in New Jersey? No, I, I, w I was riding just, like, sand tracks, like, <laughs> like getting ready for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was riding at this place called MV. Uh, a lot and just the DMV. DMV? No, no. There's this place called MV. Oh, there's another one called DMV. Oh, because it's, it's, it's by the DMV. Well, maybe that was it. It. It, was, it was some huge sand pit. Was weed flagging at these tracks you were riding? Yeah. <laughs> I was just so jealous. So jealous. Um, yeah. So, uh, did you didn't really celebrate going over the finish? Did you not know you won? No, because um, I didn't exactly know what place I was in. I thought okay. I was third, maybe. Well, was... is, is Frankie not doing the pit board well enough? Do no, we... no, because Frankie actually had a good plan. Frankie's like, let's focus on lap times, okay. and that's it. Okay, and he wouldn't. He, he <laughs> wouldn't like that. He he wouldn't put the the place on the pit board. It was always just like race yourself, race mm -hmm. the track, and race the lap times. Okay. So, yeah, I kind of really didn't know where I was, and I saw that a guy went down. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, maybe I got second. Great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, it, it, it was a really good race. I We were we talked about this earlier, you, and you mentioned it, Travis. This was a sick track. This was a this looked like a really fun track. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I watched it today, you know, when you told me we were going to do this. Yeah. And actually, everybody at work watched it. We had guys from racing. <laughs> we had the whole office in there watching it. And everybody was so stoked on the track. Yeah. It, right? It, yeah, it looked no, fun. It, it looked awesome. Dude, that three, I don't think uh, I, I don't think you guys are doing it on 125s, but the, when you cross start straight left and that hip double, and then you come back on the start, that three on off, like that little that, knuckle on top. That's big. Dude, yes, that would. I feel like that would be pretty hard today. Maybe I'm crazy, but that three on off was very technical. There was enough room on the top of that uh, table, maybe to just barely to fit both wheels. Dude, how big was that? Like I saw Wyndham hit that in his uh, 250 heat race. 
Like yeah, that was dude, that was massive. Dude, that was big for him to hit off that little knuckle and go all the way onto the top mm-hmm. of that table and yeah. then that table didn't look the length of the bike. No. Nope. No, that's what I mean. Like it right? literally could fit two wheels on it. And what everyone's forgetting too, like this was two strokes, this was carburetors, you know, this was no EFI. Like you were not guaranteed to not have a bog. I mean, that, that was very, uh, very sketchy. Yeah, man, I, I tell like people should just go watch that race just to check the track out. Yeah, it was it was uh, quite a night. It's funny because KTM was going to get their first ever win, right, with GL. And then Husqvarna gets their first ever win, and the tides turn, of course, for that. And so, Travis, your interview, I mean, we all know your interviews at the Honda days were great. It was great. Uh, you said, Araldo's spending a lot of money, and it showed. I seen him down there, and I just kept going. And then you said at the end, he owes me a lot of money, and you walked off. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Yeah, hey, I'm assuming I'm assuming your salary wasn't much, but uh, you had pretty high bonuses. Yeah, yeah, I had really good bonuses. Yeah, and you're correct. I think the salary was probably thirty thousand. So, um, okay. Yeah. So, and also, I got to ask you about that too because I know you've told me the answer. Um, you were wearing Alpine stars. You didn't want to wear the Diadora boots. And you guys were fighting over this race bonus, right? Like, did you end up getting it? No, actually, that was after the fact. Um, oh. He, he, dude, I had the money in my bank account, like, the next Tuesday. Oh, okay. Like, no that's how, yeah, that's how fast he paid me. Fast by Farachi. He would actually <laughs> live by it. Yeah. He, so so. What, what about the boots, then? What did that come into? So that just came into like they were pissed. I don't know if they're going to like withhold sponsorship money from the team or maybe, you know, stop making payments to the team or something like that. But I mean, okay. he had already paid me my money at that point. But yeah, I couldn't wear the boots. The boots sucked. So I actually wore Alpine Star boots. Yeah. And I think the cover on Cycle News or the whatever the picture they posted of me was me going through the whoops and just a big old picture of my Alpine Star boots. <laughs> <laughs> This year sounds like it was it was phenomenal. Oh, freaking a lot of stories from that one. Couple things that I love. Couple stories I love. First of all, this team was DKNY clothing. Nobody got any piece of DKNY. One nobody got any piece of clothing. Right, Travis? Nothing. We we never saw anybody from that company. Any any stickers, article of clothing. <laughs> nothing. They was, what, go ahead. What what was uh? Like was Farachi? Was he the? What was his liaison with Husky? Like, I know it was his team. He was the team owner, correct? And it was just Husky support, or was he like an importer for Husky in America? Like, what's his connection? So his connection—that's that, that, a good question. His connection was he was like kind of contracted, like Star Racing is contracted by Yamaha to yeah. right. So then he would have a contact from a guy at Husky, right? And then they would communicate, whatever, right? And that guy actually reached out to me. That old guy from Husky contacted me not too long ago because he built a, a replica bike. Oh, wow. Yeah, and sent me photos of it and everything. So, um, um, <laughs> uh, By the way, you look like you didn't make Anaheim 1 main event. You made everyone no, after that. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even remember what place I finished in the points. But I remember Supercross was a struggle. Yeah, <laughs> except that race. <laughs> yeah, what, I, I, I should have looked before we did this, but what did you follow it up with? Do you even remember after you win? What was the next round? Oh yeah, I don't even uh, remember. We got an eighth, an eighth in Dallas. Wow. Yeah, it was your only top five of the year. Houston won. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I really didn't. I Because I, I went to New Jersey because I remember I think I gave up kind of on Supercross. <laughs> and then because I got the approval to ride a 250 outdoors. So I was kind of more motivated to do that. Mm -hmm. So I started training for the outdoors during Supercross. <laughs> um. Also, another couple couple of my favorite Husqvarna moments, like relayed through you and JT and different people. Uh, Araldo called Lampson Lance all the time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he called him Lance Lampson. Um, and then <laughs> Lance Lampson. And then yes. and then Araldo seemed to bring a different lady every weekend. I remember as a mechanic, he had a different girl with him all the time. And he was always happy. Yep. And he always had at least two grand cash in his pocket. So, so Chris Gossler, to his credit, figured out that he would go, Hey, Farachi, I need a hundred dollars. I forgot my wallet. So, Farachi would give him a hundred dollars, right? So then Chris started doing that every weekend. Hey, Farachi, I forgot my wallet again. You got a hundred bucks? And he'd give him money. So then I started doing it. So every week we'd go to Farachi and be like, Farachi, we got hundred bucks. Oh yeah, here yeah, you yeah. go, no problem. <laughs> it's the greatest team ever. He so, was cool with it. He didn't even mind? He didn't get mad about this? No, he didn't care. He was the best guy to be around. We had I mean if it if the bikes didn't suck and if we had parts and I mean it would have been a great team because he was so much fun to hang out with. Didn't he at some point choke Kiwi out? Uh, I never saw that. Part, okay, I no. think he, yeah, I think he choked Kiwi JT's mechanic out one time. I don't remember what happened, but yes, it was by the end of outdoors. I mean, JT ran out of gas five motos in a row, and there was a lot of frustration going on. So yeah, he he was he was either hot or cold. He was super happy, yep. very go lucky, or he would get super pissed. I I went to JT's around this time to go riding with him in Florida, and I'm not kidding you. He had. 10 to 15 swing arms in his garage because I guess the swing arms would crack after so many hours and they would just ship, ship them swing arms that Frank would change. Yeah. I, I never had problems with the swing arms. My problem was actually with the engines. I would always hear like a, like I'd be riding the bike and then halfway through the moto, I would start hearing engine noise, like something would break or it would start rattling really loud. So then Frankie would then like, you know, say this is in the heat race or something, right? We don't have extra motors. There's no time. So Frankie would just drain the oil and then, you know, pop off the side cover, the, the clutch cover mm -hmm. and just lean the bike over and just start spraying contact cleaner, trying to wash out <laughs> whatever metal or something that was broken in there. And then he would put it back together and then rip it up and down the parking lot and be like, okay, bro, you're good. Go. <laughs> Rarick, try that this weekend with some of your guys. The KTM. Yeah. 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 We'll try that on chase. And, uh, <laughs> that actually happened several times and the bike, Never broke. It just it kept running. It would make a lot of noise, but it never stopped. <laughs> and this was chain uh, chain on the right, uh, rotor on the left. Correct? Was uh, it left Kickstarter too? No, no. no it was uh, no, it, it was right Kickstarter. But as far as the chain goes, I'm not. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I want to say Frankie told me that he doesn't remember a lot, but he remembers, <laughs> he remembers uh, some details about the bike. 
Yeah, he that was a tough year for him. He, uh, uh, yeah. Travis, you came off D Marini in two thousand, right? You had a good some good rides at Chaparral, and then went to D Marini in two thousand, and then we know that team was one and done. Did you have anything else besides Husqvarna? Like, were you were you looking at different offers, and then you picked the um, the Husqvarna one? Um, yeah. No, I had no offers. Okay. I think, yeah, I had nothing. This was the end of the road. This was my last chance. And everybody knew it. Frank knew it. And I think it was Frank and Sean that actually motiv- motivated me to go up to the 250 class, go to New Jersey early and start training for the outdoors. And then that's how I actually got my Honda ride. Yeah, yeah I was going to say outdoors that year. You actually strung it together pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I did. It, yeah, yeah. I think uh, at the first moto at Hangtown, I think I got six. Dang. Yeah, that's really good. I remember when I, I looked in the vault a little bit before we did this, and your outdoor finishes were pretty solid. Pretty solid that summer, rarely outside the top ten. Yeah, I think I finished close to the top ten, and I finished you know certain races well inside of the top ten. And then um, I think Cliff White or somebody noticed me at that point, and then that's how I got my Honda ride. Dude, yeah. what? Where did you said you went to Jersey early, but uh, team was based in PA, right? Yes, and that's it, why because the bike broke so much. I remember we needed parts, and we just needed to be close to the to the factory or to where they had more bikes. What 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 was the whole? Uh, <laughs> this is another thing I've grilled Frankie on, but he can't give me an answer. What was the whole preseason Supercross like? Did, you, did I'm assuming they did not have a track in California. So were you just left to your own device, or to, you know, to to find tracks to ride out west, or how did it work going into Supercross? So I, I didn't put this thing together until like Thanksgiving, I remember, and I didn't get the bike until December. Oh wow! So, so I remember, you know, at Glen Helen where Pro Circuit has those two tracks now. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Well, that lower track wasn't there. They just had that upper Supercross track. And they made an agreement with whoever owned it saying that, that we could ride there. So I think I started riding that super cross track, maybe two weeks before the first race. Um, I know too, from Lampson that at some point they were courting him, right. And they gave him Coyote's bike and he was like, dude, this thing's good. And then he, when he got on his bike, it was not Coyote's bike. (laughs) When he got the real bike, the race bike, he was like, Oh boy, we're in trouble here. You know? So um, Actually, what year was it? Was it this year or the year before? Remember, Coyote came over and raced a little bit of West. When was that? I think that was the year before. That was the year before. Okay, that's yeah. ninety nine. Yeah, and I think or, he sorry, two thousand. Yeah. yeah, he actually did okay too. Maybe you know, did good in the heat races or something. Yeah, I think he was yeah, fast. He, I don't know if he got a result, but he was. He got. A, he showed speed, right? I yeah. want to say a one. He got a fourth or something. He only he only did two rounds, I think. Well, he got he got, he got, he got landed on, I think, didn't he? They got landed oh, maybe, on. Maybe that was it. I know the first round though, it might have been ninety nine even. He got a fourth, but uh he came over for I remember I was there actually, ninety nine Steel City. He came over and that did not I think he went DNF DNF, I'm pretty sure. I uh, I hung out with him at the World Vet or at the World Two Stroke Vets in England. What a cool guy. He was a really nice guy, Coyote. Super cool. Wow, yeah. Um, um also Travis, what I remember too, obviously I was with KTM then. Um, I wasn't at this race. Uh, I read about it on either Cycle News Grandstand or I don't know if there was a webcast, Weege. I don't remember. But anyways, um, what else do I remember about this team is I'm not kidding you, Travis, and this isn't just to make people laugh. We would make jokes. Your team looked like a garage sale 
under the tent every weekend. It just, it was bikes and parts everywhere. And, you know, I just, we all used to be like, what is going on there? There's five guys and it looked like a garage sale for Husqvarna stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the trailer was so bad. It didn't have a restroom. Okay. So we would have to go, you know, at Redbud when it's a hundred degrees outside, we'd have to go find a pot, a, a porta potty somewhere mm -hmm. and use that. And, um, the truck wasn't set up for like moto. It, it was some old, like, you know, car truck or something. Yeah. So there was no place to, to put wheels or the carts or anything. So it looked like a circus because you'd have to literally unload the whole truck, just get the bikes out. Okay. All right. <laughs> so then you would leave everything on the side. Plus the fact of, I think they had six riders. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. So, so it got so bad with all the chaos and then Gosler was a pig and shit was everywhere in the truck. <laughs> so um, Frankie and I decided that for outdoors, I was going to drive my box van. So I got out of the truck and then pitted out of my box van for the whole outdoor series. And was Frankie driving this thing to every round? Yeah, that's what we stayed in in New Jersey. We lived in the box van in New Jersey <laughs> for like four months. Wow. So you guys were actually grinding that summer. You're basically a team within a team. Yes. God. Yeah. You know what I think is funny, too, uh, is out of all of this, Cliff White gave you a factory Honda ride with Factory Connection guys, and you won the, the, the Anaheim one the next year. Like what? I, I mean, no offense, but what did Cliff see? <laughs> <laughs> so no no joke i remember cliff, cliff i remember this clearly cliff told me everybody sucked that year on that bike mm -hmm. and he knew how bad that bike sucked and he said i was the only one that grinded it out the whole year and never gave up okay. and then actually you know won a race on it yeah. and then I, I i did okay outdoors i finished the whole season outdoors i made the best of the situation and it's crazy to think i rode that whole series and cliff white was watching the whole time. <laughs> right, right. And I never knew about it. Yeah. You're, like if someone had tapped you uh, on your shoulder at the, you know, Southwick and said, hey, man, Cliff White's watching you, you would have went, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a cool story, though. I hope a lot of guys racing today listens to this because that's a good, a good lesson to take from that. It is, right? Like all these kids coming through the ranks, dude, you never know who's watching you. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Also, you literally went from you did not qualify for Anaheim 1 in 2001, and then you win Anaheim 1 the next year. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've had <laughs> – Travis, you've had such a weird career, like when you think about being out of the sport and winning the lottery and buying bikes and then these weirdo teams and then factory Honda 450 rider and, and championship 125 Honda rider. You have had a lot of ups and downs, TP. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I, I end up places I never thought I would. Yeah. Or doing things. Yeah, it was crazy. So I will yeah, say it's, it's been good. I'm gonna give away the later on in the show. Uh you're my winner of the Lit Kid Award that we uh, we do this every show. I like this look. TLD, I like that Husqvarna. I don't I'm I'm YOLO on the Husqvarna. I think it looks good. You I'm just on, stole it from me, Steve. I thought the same thing. The TLD gear on that thing looked badass. I, I'm on board with this look, TP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually say I still have that helmet from that year, and yeah, Troy Lee was the gear, and he did awesome paint jobs on the helmet, and the gear matched the bike, and it, yeah. dude, it was a good setup. And I, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that 
Yeah. Th- thankfully, you were you were at A stars because the Diodors would have threw the whole thing off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Weren't they like pink and green and stuff and all this? I think. I don't. Yeah, know. They, no, no, they had weird colors for sure, but the fit was terrible. Right. It, it, it was like you're wearing sneakers. Do you still have this trophy somewhere? Yeah, I think I gave it to my dad. Oh, my, okay. My dad has it. Yeah, yep. at, at his house. Awesome. Yeah. That's what, what, what was the celebration like after this? Was there some big after party or no, just you and Frankie driving back to New Jersey? Yeah. It's probably me and Frankie just drive. I, I don't remember us doing anything, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, JT said that we ask if we always do a, a category for the show of what, where's JT? And he actually did pretty well this night. He said, Araldo was down on the starting line, having a heart attack at you winning. So, <laughs> so Araldo was d- down there at some point. Yeah. Yeah, half the time I never knew where he was. You would see him wandering around like at the beginning of the day, but then kind of once the night show started and I think maybe, I don't know, he'd start having a little fun and then you wouldn't see him the rest of the night. He was <laughs> off with his chicks. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, He was off. He had, he, had, he had things to do. He had to give people money. To... <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely loose around there. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Re-Raceables with Travis Preston on Houston 2001. Um yeah, what a what a night. Uh, GL, you know, the agony of defeat, right? Kind of funny how Grant went through the same thing at Steel City. I mean, the Steel City thing was way worse, but I definitely got flashbacks watching this back and then GL having, you know, I mean, he, he was doing a one-hander and he just kind of missed the bar a little bit and then panicked and went over the bars. So, yeah, yeah. that that – that I think what's cool about that race is there's some obstacles on that track that you don't see a lot of these days. Like that double that Langston crashed on, mm-hmm. it had a really flat takeoff. And then the landing was super peaked, and the landing was almost the same size or bigger than the takeoff. Dude, so I was going to say, I was watching guys clip that thing all night. Yeah, it was super hard to get over because it was the landing was so steep, you couldn't downside it. And then right after the landing was the corner. So guys were clipping the rear tire on the landing of mm-hmm. the double and then endowing into the corner yeah. all day. But you're just, but just you're, asked GL. Yeah, but your but your sacks soaked it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think my height helped that race. Did you did you watch it back with uh, today at the Yamaha shop with the with the sound on? Did you hear David Bailey say, I didn't even know who number forty was? <laughs> Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and what's funny is, that, you know, I, I was watching it with, with my coworkers, and they're like, "Are you sure this is the right race? We don't even see you on the starting line." <laughs> because no one talks about me. No, you no, know, it's just no. nothing. And then, boom, all that shit happens. I will say, in early in the race, it's a KTM leading, then a Honda with Tedesco, then uh, Ernie. Then Thane and then you. So it's KTM, Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, Husqvarna, which would have been absolutely unheard of two years earlier, you know? So it was kind of funny. Um, And I'm guessing, Travis, you know, with your Husqvarna first win uh, and the heritage you've done for this brand that when Husqvarna came back, did they recognize you? Do you feel like one with RJ a lot? Like you and RJ are sort of brethren, Husqvarna brethren, or is there any sort of like uh, meetings that the Husqvarna riders go to? <laughs> or is no, you know, I, I don't really talk to anybody <laughs> that rides Huskies at this point. Um, okay. But I do know that Husky had some big celebration a couple years ago, and they did actually invite to like fly me somewhere. Oh, oh I was joking. They really did. No, they did. Yeah. Oh, because we, as we know, this is a totally different company now. So yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, no, no. They actually invited me to do something a couple years ago, and I just 
I was busy at the time. I really wanted to do it, but I had something. I think I was going to Japan, or I think I was working at Yamaha at the time, and I just couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I was kidding. So they actually did recognize you. That's cool. Yeah, no, they did. Yeah. Yeah. They got you some Diodora boots. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's what a night. Weej, anything for TP? Anything more? I'm shocked that they recognize this. Like, I I would have bet $2,000 cash. That they, this is a forgotten moment. I can't believe they did that. I'm shocked. Yeah, they, you, you know how they have, you know, like like Yamaha will have this thing, like 60 years of Yamaha, and then they'll invite a bunch of people that have won races from Yamahas. Sure. So Husky was kind of doing the same thing, and this was a couple of years ago. So yeah. if I wanted to go, I could have gone to this event. But I don't think KTM's doing much with Kelly Smith. Sad, but I don't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's still ktm and it's still yamaha like there's nothing <laughs> nothing is sane. no oh, yeah there's yeah. nothing is the same and the fact that they still recognize it should have a banner hanging in the sh- in the shop yeah yeah tp yeah it, it man it, it it was a crazy year with with a lot of fun stories and yeah it was, it was a time i'll definitely never forget and you did get paid the bonus. Okay, good. Because I thought the boots cost you the bonus all these years. So good to know. No, yeah. no. I got the bonus right away. Like, Farachi, yeah. there was one thing about Farachi. Like, it was super chaotic and whatever. But they were on – they paid you on time, every time, expenses, whatever. Like, yeah. I never had a problem getting paid with that team. So Yeah, that, I heard, that was, and I heard that through Dave Dye and Kiwi and Frankie and everybody. All those guys got treated really well, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean it, it was a shit show, but everybody got paid. <laughs> hey, do you know do you know what uh I, I think that because the team was around one or two more years after that, but whenever that whole team dissolved, do you know what what Farachi did after that? Like he was obviously out of motocross, I know that, but is was he involved in any sort of racing after that or he was just out? I, I never heard anything about Farachi um after the team went away. Yeah, I have no idea what, what he did. No, he's still Ducati in uh, in uh, road racing. Like literally, Moto America, not last year, but the two years before that. Yeah, twenty one and twenty two. I worked Moto America TV, and there's Ferracci just standing there smiling, really wow. with the Ducati team. Yeah, yeah, wow. and it's still kind of based out of PA. I, they don't say fast by Ferracci, but they just always throw him props, and he just stands there, dude. He's like eighty four years old or something, <laughs> and he just he stands there smiling. He has limo tint sunglasses on all the time. <laughs> and I did go up to him one time and I'm like, Hey, I don't know if you remember, you had a motocross team, but my buddy, Jason Thomas, do you remember him? And he just says, yes. And I don't know if that's genuine, but he says he remembers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that is awesome. He's like, I don't know, like Ducati alumni. Like, I don't know if he does anything or if they just say, come to the races and just be part of it. I have no idea. Yeah. I think he's a legend over there. So yeah. Well, I absolutely died laughing when it was, he owes me a lot of money and the walk off. Just <laughs> maybe my favorite moment in all the re-raceables we've done. Just you know, it was great. Um, anything else for TP, Rarick, or Weege? House is awesome. No, we're good. I, I got a lot of lot more questions, but I'll save that for a rainy day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Travis. Thanks for the time on the on the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast, 2001, Houston. Always appreciative, and uh, and thanks, man. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, guys. All right, see you, Travis. See you guys. Good stuff. Uh, thank you, Travis Preston. I, 
I just kind of forgot that he got a factory Honda ride out of this. <laughs> That's the part that makes me laugh the most. Well, that I knew, but I would have thought it was just from winning this one race. I, I did not think it was from his 250 outdoor results. Shout out to Cliff White for the scouting. Um, yeah, I mean, I just was, were they. Do you hire a guy because he fluked into a win though, Weech? I mean, again, good eye by Cliff White, but you know, like the Dar- um, the Daryl yeah, Hurley, I the Daryl teams do do stuff like that. Did, I do. Did Daryl Hurley pull anything off? You know, I don't know. Like, yeah. No, 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 no. Come on. You can't even compare that. I Dude, guess. The, the lap they showed Preston, I'm telling you, I would have hired him just off watching his <laughs> whoop runs. Just off watching his whoop runs on a Husky where the chain's on the right and rotor's on the left. If he can hit whoops like that, I would, yes. I would <laughs> okay. Fair enough. He's 180 pounds or whatever. Um, yeah, good stuff from TP. Uh, I love the fact that. Yeah, Marzocchi Forks, sack shock, no testing. <laughs> just You know what's funny is him and Frankie both ended up at FC. Uh, well, Frankie did a detour. He went to Plano first, but it's kind of funny how they still ended up working together. Well, he didn't wrench for Travis, but yeah. still works together in some capacity at, at FC. Well, we had the Yulo sighting at the end, so Yulo got in there as well with TP. Yeah, yeah. so what was what was Yulo? You said he was Edge Kawasaki? That yeah, year? he was Edge Kawasaki, so that would have been – was Burn? Was that Burn? Uh, Burner or Casey Johnson? Yeah, one of those guys. I do not remember Yulo working for them. I don't either. But if you look at Gothic, Yulo, and Frankie, they're all in the Travis Preston orbit at one time or another. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Right, right. Travis, <laughs> Travis Preston mechanic tree. Uh, <laughs> they, they all they all love TP, and they all think that TP likes them the best. You know, so, so there is that. that's awesome. Yeah, uh, good stuff. Oh, so I didn't realize when you said Edge Kawasaki, the the M team. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. 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 Fer- the Sports dot com. Someday we need to do elite re-raceables on like old teams and our favorite one. You know, um, you know, we got we got we got the uh, WBR team. My favorite is Rockstar Husky or Rockstar Suzuki with J Law, Hamblin, Mills, and Brown. That will always be my oh, favorite yeah. team. You know, Dude, you I know think team manager was Sepkovic. Was he the team manager? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you know, you know what's funny? Out of all the all the great teams and great riders that Frankie's worked with, every weekend, all we talk about, all I ask questions about, are like the 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 bad ones, like AM Leonard, yep. KTN, AM Leonard. Uh, uh, this we talk a lot about this year with a Husky team and um, Plano as well. That's all. That's all I want want to know about all the good teams it's like man we know i know all that yeah i want to hear the backstories of these like you know fly-by-night teams yeah i got pj1 on my resume and moto triple x um yeah there's a lot and i don't see this year at ktm i mean i was there at the start in 2000 i worked there for two years and like yeah we you know our dyno was just in the back of our race shop with just like there was no dyno room it was just at the back so when Harry Nolte's making dino runs, we couldn't talk. It was echoing everywhere. You know, it was just, Oh my god, how loud is that? Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. You're just <laughs> like, oh, this is awesome. First of all, like, never mind all the sound and everything else that affects a dino, right? Like there's lots of things you need to do in a dino room, but we just yeah, we just had a dino at the back. So, you know, it was good times. Um, all right, shall we do the categories? Shall we get into that? Only at re-raceables? Uh, yeah, but real, okay. real quick, one thing I wanted to uh, to ask is: Does anybody remember Sean Hamlin doing West Coast Supercross in 01 on a Honda? No, that one stuck out to me too. 
Dude, number 226. I, I, I go, dude, there's no way. There, this has to be a typo. There's no way this is Sean Hamlin because I don't remember him at all did, until the day, 02 outdoors on the Suzuki. Yeah. And I do, I do know he won a – when did he win his Canadian title? Was it 01 or 2000? I think the year before. Yeah, I think the year before. Um, and that was on a, on a Cowie, correct? Yeah. So did you see him come in and, con- and slap GL on the shoulder? When GL's yes, walking I off. also saw that. I also saw that, and I knew they were friends later on. But I go, they knew each other at this point. I don't know, man. Like, it, I, yeah, I don't understand. This was, uh, I mean, had it was obviously Hamlin's rookie year, right? I, I have zero, absolutely zero memory of him before the Suzuki. I did always wonder how he. Remember when he replaced Pastrana? He was the fill-in, right? Yeah, and then somehow he's even ninety-nine, which is well, earned number. I'm like, where did he get? How did he, he earn the 99? Yes, but back then was only points were only outdoors. Outdoors. Uh, yeah. Eight. So what did he get? Like uh, 19th in two motos or something? Yeah, I, I looked it up a couple days ago. Yeah, something like that. He he had yeah, yeah I think he did two rounds and maybe got like an 18th and a 19th. I literally had never heard of him until uh he filled over Pastrana. And I'm like, the dude is the same gear, the same bike, the same number, just minus a one. And he was crushing it. Where yeah. And he was yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, all right, Liet Racing Re-Raceables, 2001 Houston Categories. Here we go. Who really won the race, Weege? GL. Oh, really? There you go. Okay. Yep. Okay. I'll go Tim Ferry. Okay. <laughs> he, he looked great. Seth? By the way, I believe oh. GL, I think he's done a million podcasts explaining this. I believe he says... The story is he pumps his fist to the crowd and then crashes right after it. But I think he's always said, no, I just screwed up the jump. Like, it wasn't because of that. Like, um, as Preston said, the jump was really tough, and he just screwed it up. That that was a tricky double. That was not a double that you want to celebrate before it. I think he has trouble with getting his hand back on if you watch it again. Yes. Like, I don't know if that's what did it, but he doesn't get his hand on the bar clean. So maybe he slows down. Yeah, a little bit because his hand isn't quite ready, and then he's got not enough speed to clear the thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe. Hey, uh, who who really won the race? I'm gonna go Ernie for salvaging his title and starting the four stroke quick. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 fair. Uh, who's that guy? Award? I think this one's pretty obvious when you look at the main events. I didn't go back in the heats and the LCQs and everything, um, but um, I think there's only one guy to pick for this one. Weech, do you, do you have it handy? Or? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I think we're all going to pick the same guy. <clears throat> I've never heard of yeah. this dude. Yeah, there, there's Steven a- Eugenio. Who is that? I don't know. He's from El Centro, which is out in the middle of nowhere. He has a 19th in the main event after this race, and then a 19th or 18th at Houston, and that's his only vault result. He's from El Centro. Yep. Two yeah. races. Yeah, that, that, that one – that one threw me for a big loop, and that's the only obvious choice. But I looked up El Centro, and basically, he's from Mexico. Yeah, it, uh, you know what's I, out I there is a, as a, a um, uh, what's the sand pit out there in El Centro? Uh, the dunes. Glamis? No, uh, Acatillo. Acatillo is right by El Centro. Oh, really? Yeah. So a lot we go of time to, free riding. Yeah. So he must have been super good at fr- freestyle sand dunes. Um, all right, anybody else, or is that we all got that guy? No, okay. Oh, that's the only guy out of both classes, both meetings. I had no idea who that was, and uh, I don't even know anyone that far south to hit up and ask about. <laughs> Lit kid award. I gave mine away. TP man, uh, yeah, looks good. 
I'm not a I'm not a Husky hater for these bikes. Like I thought they looked good, and I told JT that back then, and he used to laugh at me. And I'm like, I like them. But uh, Rarick, you agree? Yeah, I agree. I, I thought his his whole look. It, it, he looked sick. It looked really, really good. I was gonna for me. It's outside the box. I was I was gonna go with him, but he already stole it. So I'll just go standard for me. The king and no fear. It's hard to hard to top that. Yeah. Weech. I'm gonna go uh, McGrath actually. Okay. All right. That's, yeah. that's yeah. not a crazy one, Weech. No, it looks. There's a couple of things. They interviewed McGrath, um, so you get to see his jersey up close. That looked good. The rig looked good. The bike looked good. Uh, his hair looked good. The, the sideburns looked good. Uh, he had the no only, part of the game down. Only I know thing, that RC was the only thing down, that, but. only thing not that didn't look good with him that night was Brian Kinney pushing the bike back. Should have should have put gas in. <laughs> not having gas in the bike. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised it wasn't a spark plug. That was what we were always told to say too. From you know, just tell them it's a spark plug. It's electrical. Um, shit kit. I I gotta go with uh, Tedesco. I wasn't a fan. I don't know if that's M- I think it's MSR. Yeah, MSR. Shark, Shark Plano MSR. Yeah, not 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 great. It's not bad. It's not terrible. But it, it, off the top of my head, that was first one that kind of stuck out for me. Yeah, I'm gonna go uh, GL that Thor kit. Uh, I hated that. They wore the same gear every week. I hated the look of that that Thor, the colorway, the the baggy. I know a lot of gear was baggy back then, but his was like extra, extra, like 4XL jersey, uh, super baggy. And to top it all off, the M2R helmet was atro- atrocious. That was is by far the worst-looking helmet ever made. Wow. But the Zulu yeah. stripes, the, the zebra stripes? No, they had nothing to do with the M2R. That is the worst helmet, the worst looking helmet ever made. Ever. You cannot top that. Wow. <laughs> Rarick, very passionate <laughs> about M2R. Uh, I, I hated M2R. Weege, <laughs> what do you got? I'm watching his back right now. Um, as you said, I thought Langston got second. I did not know. I believe Greg Schnell got second. Yep. And uh, that's uh, answer. Answer really looked good for a long time. I thought 1990. Looked so good with O'Mara, Larry Ward here and there. I don't know what was going on at this point. It was bad. Old logo was gone. So uh, that wasn't a good look to me. So I'm going to go with the uh, Greg Schnell answer Moto World look. Do you guys remember anything that happened to Daniel Blair? He got 14th. What happened to that guy in the main? Yeah, I was actually going to text him because I thought that was an exceptionally good ride. But then I looked at his results and I'm like, oh, he had better ones. So I guess we're supposed to just say that was a normal. <laughs> good thing you didn't night. text him. Yeah. You mean yeah, that, I don't want to be like, what do you mean, mean, you mean that year or, or ever? Because 09, he was awesome. He's got the Geico fill-in. Yeah, exactly. Like I went, if you go to the results, oh, I'm now seeing, <laughs> I'm now seeing Yulo sneaking up to give the hug at the very, very end of the show. Um, yeah, then I'm looking at um, that year for uh, for Blair, and I'm like, ah, 14th is nothing to write home about. So exactly. He had much better results later on. All Isn't right. that guy in rock band now or something? Didn't he go on to start a rock band and that's what he's doing? Or I, I, I vaguely remember that guy. Cab service started a cab service. Cab service. That's it. Yeah. I, thought he, I thought he. I thought he walked something to do Eagle Grit. I thought he walked across America. No. <laughs> that was his buddy. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Where's JT? Sixteenth. But I don't know if you gentlemen noticed, he was top ten early. Got a good start, our buddy JT. Also on the Husky. Yes. Yes. Also. Um, probably had a swing arm break on him, I imagine. Um, yeah, 16th for JT in the main event. 
Uh, okay. Uh, Jacob- we asked him what he was doing, and he mentioned just the Eraldo Faraci having a heart attack while he was on the line watching Preston headed to victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Jacob Marsak Award for the ride who did the best uh, that you maybe didn't realize. There's not really any great um, picks here. You guys? No standouts for me. Um, can we just give a shout-out to Tommy Hoffmaster in the 250 main? I do not remember him in the 250 class at all. And Travis Elliott, I believe this is his one and only race on a 250, and he made the main. I was surprised to see Elliot in the. I don't remember Elliot. So this is it for him because hometown race, I guess. Yeah, yeah. in the two fifty class, he, he was pretty good on a one twenty five. But I'm assuming he just jumped up because, like you said, his hometown race. But uh, put it in the main, no problem. So we'll give him props for that. And, and Hoffmaster, I literally only remember him doing a handful of supercrosses on a one twenty five. Mm. I really know him as an arena cross guy. So making the two fifty main, yeah, that's no slouch. Johnny Marley was going to be really fast. From yeah, he was supposed to be the next big thing. He was. He got thirteenth. Um, I don't remember him really doing that well. So maybe I'll go Johnny Marley. But um. mine was going to be. I did not realize <clears throat> Keith S. Johnson. I have huge the, the Massachusetts Keith Johnson. Huge respect. Love the guy. He's awesome. But I didn't really know what he had done in Supercross in this class at this time. But this is probably is this two fifty F year. I would think so, right? Yeah, this, I mean, he yeah, was this is killing it in the this is three D racing. I think, yep. Yeah, I mean the nationals, dude. Out, he almost won Southwick. He was getting fourth in motos, uh, but I didn't remember he had a couple seventh places. He got seventh on this night, so I didn't remember that. Wow, um, dude, I it's not really a Jacob Marsak high end Jacob Marsak, but I did not remember the series of top tens. From Keith I scrolled over that because I saw Keith Johnson and just automatically assumed New Mexico Keith Johnson. So yeah, now that you say that, that's actually really good for him. Yeah, right. I don't think of him as much of a Supercross guy. No, and when he did do Supercross, I just remember him on the big bike. Do not remember him. I know that year, yeah, the 250F outdoors, he was unreal. This was, oh, yeah. this was the era where we were like, look at Keith Johnson. He's just, like, awesome. But then it's like, you know, we're, a couple years later, we're like, oh, 250F guy. Got it. <laughs> Nothing against KJ. He's a great rider. But, yeah, it was he crushed it, and I think we were all, like, thinking, you know, not really thinking about the two. Hey, yeah, get, you know, give him that one though, because he had to survive the Cannondale days. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yep. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, okay, all right. Um, that's the categories for the Lee at Reraceables. Anything else, boys? About two thousand one Houston, great track, great track. Track is awesome. I still would love someone. Rarick, you work with these riders. You break things down. You try to figure out how they gain speed. I will never, ever, ever understand why Carmichael was going so much faster. Nothing about it looks the way it's supposed to. And he is just killing these dudes. He starts in, what, sixth? And it's all heavy hitters. And in, like, five laps, he's blown them away. And in the last couple laps, he's just cruising. And the bike setup, the riding style, all the things... I've been thinking about this for 20-plus years, and I cannot make sense out of it. <laughs> Neither can I, but they don't call him the go for nothing. Yeah. Right. I mean, our friend David Bailey knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Bailey Bailey wasn't having any of it. He was just like, yeah, you know, they got to stick with him. Oh, they're not sticking with him. It's gone. So, yeah. Hey, they also <laughs> commentated these races uh, tape delay, right? No, I think by now they weren't on live, but I think they were doing, doing them live. Oh, they were doing it live? Yeah. There's one year where it becomes obvious they're in the they're in the kingdom in Seattle, and I guess it has like a concrete roof, and it's so friggin' loud they can't hear each other. And eventually, Art just has to give up 
and just literally say, I don't even know what you just said, David. <laughs> have to give up and tell each other, I can't hear you. And I'm like, that would be really, why would they even do that? And I'm like, I guess they're just doing it live now. Whatever they get is what they get. Also, <laughs> this is the year too, before we let you guys go, kind of, because there's a thing in Cycle News about Jean-Michel Bale possibly coming back, and there was this rumor. Oh, yes. Yeah. I skipped over that. Yeah, what was the deal with that? He was really riding. He was riding. Uh, he was going to ride outdoors. I guess he tweaked his knee or something, uh, but it was a real thing. Um, there was talk of it, and it was happening, and he was riding, and yeah, hurt his knee, I guess. But And this was like 10 years past when he hung the boots up, right? Nine years. Nine years, yeah, yeah. Um, but this was also, the, if I remember right, this Supercross season – this was the gay Suzuki rider year. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I think it was 01, maybe 02, but yeah. So that was a big, big thing in the pits for a while. Could it be, Ro- could it be Roger Thane? Is that uh, why you only had one-year deals? I, I don't know, man. It was definitely like, <laughs> who is it? There's definitely somebody doing it, uh, who, you know, and they're going to come out at riders meeting. And there was a lot of, <laughs> lot of talk in the pits around this time. <laughs> I got to tell you guys, it was a hot topic. And JT laughs at it, like when we talk about it, because I don't know if does he acknowledge that it was a thing, Weege, JT? Um, I, don't know. I, I think his, I think the discrepancy is he might acknowledge that it was a rumor in the pits, but the he's going to come out at the riders' meeting. <laughs> I think is the part he takes umbrage with. Okay, I swear, which is that- a little weird, like. I don't know why would you have to do it there. Why? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe we were more accepting society, and then and that's what was going to happen. I don't know, but I, I'm. But can't you just can't you just be gay? Like, why do you have to announce it in front of everyone you race with? I don't know, man. I'm telling you, the pits were buzzing. The pits were buzzing. So I don't know, man. Then, after, after the talk of McAdoo's balls last week, and I think there's a lot more gay riders out there. <laughs> Oh man! Um, so. Yeah, yeah. I think you said Steve Chappie, uh, Steve Hudson, the chaplain at the time, was going to preside over the <laughs> yeah the announcement. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, I, I think it was this year, if I remember right, man. Because the Bale comeback and the Gay Suzuki rider all ring a bell to me. So, <laughs> wow, the Bale come. I have to say, the Bale comeback makes even less sense to me. If you if you well, ask me, which one is more weird, dude? So in O this year, O one. He rode practice at Paris at Bercy Supercross. He legitimately jumped in with the seated group in practice. He was faster than JT, and he was like, I want to say, around the top 10. No he, way. Yes. He did both practice sessions, and it was like, and I couldn't, I, I was working for Nick at this point. I was going to work for Nick Way in 02, but I started at the end of this summer. And I couldn't keep my eyes on Nick Way because I was watching JMB. And <laughs> like, he was 10th or whatever. And then I remember giving JT the gears, like, dude, this fucking guy's like 40 years old and he's faster than you, you know? So, yeah, it was a real thing. Oh, I'm real glad to hear that. I was afraid you were going to say he sucked, and I just don't ever want to think of JMB. No, like no, so he, was, great. he was good. And like I said, he didn't end up racing the night show, but it was going to happen. So It was also the year Bradshaw did practice at Daytona on the yep, bike. Yep. Yeah, that was also a yeah, huge thing because – that didn't go so well, though. He didn't look great. I remember that. He also had O'Neill gear and number 110, and you were like, no, 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 no. None of this makes sense. Stop it. So. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Lee at Reraceables. Anything else, boys? No, I think that about covers it. I think we lost Weege. 
No, I'm good. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks for came back. Thanks for listening. Uh, thank you to uh, Travis Preston. Hopefully, Chaparral figured out their gas problem as well uh, in the upcoming races. Uh, but thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> really appreciate it. Thanks, boys. All right. Thanks. Guys. See ya.